Blog Talk Radio. Grace and Peace, Heart to Heart, encourages women from all stations of life and from every nook and cranny of our world from a biblical perspective. Greetings, everyone. Grace and peace to you today. I am pushing this segment of the show forward a little bit to precede Thanksgiving. As I think of my own mother and the impressions that she has sketched all over my heart and life, I decided that before Thanksgiving would be the most appropriate appropriate time than my originally scheduled after the day after Thanksgiving. So we will begin with the reading of a new book. It's entitled A Mother's Heart by Jean Fleming. Mary White authored the foreword of the book, which says in part, Jean taught me the importance of giving extended time to review each child's strengths and needs, and then to make a plan to develop those strengths and meet the needs. I observed her encourage her children and stimulate them to develop physically, artistically, and socially. So whether we have tots, teens, tweens, adults, or in-between, mothers listening to this will benefit from encouragement and support. And all mothers certainly need encouragement and support. I believe that we will find that Fleming does just that for all of us. So as she starts her book, Jean Fleming shares a number of scenarios that she has witnessed or heard of uh, during her or prior to her writing this book, of course. One says, Since he was eight, he has been on his own. He lived where his parents did, but essentially, he was forsaken. He set his own hours, fixed his meals, and did his laundry. Now at 17, he brings home a 16-year-old girlfriend. His mother points to a bedroom door and says, she can stay in there, and you stay in your room. Eyeing his mother fiercely, he counters, where were you when I needed you? She stays in my room. Mothers, all is not well. Sadly, each of the above incidents actually happened. Of course, I read one. And incidents like them are occurring more and more. The problems go deeper and have affected our culture 
even more than statistics indicate. The underlying attitudes that spawn parental neglect and child abuse may have crept quietly into your parenting as well. And this may have happened without your recognizing it. You may never abuse your children or turn them out on the street or fail to feed and clothe them. But the viewpoint of the me generation may have left its marks. Self-centeredness, lack of commitment, frequent parental absence or preoccupation with your own interests and concerns. I ask you, is all well in your home? Faced with the overwhelming needs in our society, my emotions range from mild surprise to shock, horror, and fear. Encouraging predictions about the future are rare and faintly spoken. Whether we consider trends in juvenile crime, teenage pregnancy, or child abuse, the outlook shows no sign of improving. These issues will not go away or take care of themselves. The Bible teaches that in the last days, people will be without natural affection. Tenderness and concern, once considered natural responses to children, are often missing. Their lack is expressed most blatantly in child abuse but also comes disguised in the parent's failure to provide a listening ear, a word of encouragement, or an affectionate embrace. Whether our uncaring attitude is revealed by a deliberate act of violence or inadvertent neglect, we are failing to give our children what they desperately need. There's no place like home. Although some experts predict a future need for some institutional solutions, new studies conclude that there's no place like home. No place when it comes to meeting children's needs. Even the Children's Defense Fund organization involved in out-of-home care for children began one of its annual reports by confirming the importance of the family. It states, Almost everyone agrees that families are vital to the healthy development of children. Professionals and researchers confirm the conventional wisdom. Children need to feel wanted and accepted. They need continuity in their relationships with biological or psychological parents. They need guidance to cope with the demands of growing up. And they need to have some sense that there is a regular, dependable quality to the world. How interesting that convictions about the importance of the mother's contributions should surface while unprecedented numbers of mothers are a part of the workforce. Is the mother's presence especially important at certain periods in a child's development. Dr. Jack Raskin, psychiatrist at the Children's Orthopedic Hospital and the University of Washington in Seattle, considers the early months most crucial. The key, he says, is the child's close, 
unbroken attachment in the early months to the people who care for him. Too much disruption of this embeds in the personality traits that can be disruptive for a lifetime. People are hyped up over adolescent drug abuse, pregnancy, suicide, and the cults children join. But the same roots underlie them all. The roots are depression and emotional deprivation. These are laid down in the personality in the early months of life. They grow out of poor attachments and inadequate affection and contact for the child in the first months. Attachment to the people who love him and who respond to his needs is nothing less than the foundation of the child's personality. Financial demands, boredom with the homemaking role and pressure from the women's movement have moved increasing numbers of mothers into the workplace. Each year, more mothers opt to enter the workforce while placing their preschool children in various facilities. Dr. Mary Salter Ainsworth comments, among the most significant developments of psychiatry during the past quarter of a century has been the steady growth of evidence that the quality of the parental care which a child receives in his earliest years is of vital importance for his future mental health. A mother's presence throughout infancy and the entire preschool stage is important because more learning takes place in the child's first five years than in any comparable period of life. Experts agree that as much as 85% of a child's character is developed by age five, and the way a child is raised in the early years accounts for at least 20 points of his IQ. What about the elementary years? Less attention is being given to the mother's influence on this age group, but must we wait for future studies by experts to convince us of our children's need during this period also? In the school age years, peers and teachers add their influences. The parents can decide how much of an impression these others will make. Through continued teaching and intense personal involvement, a mother can continue loving and strengthening her child and also interpret, modify, reinforce, counter, or minimize the influence of others. The difference our presence can make continues right on through our children's teenage years. Yet a recent study by Junior Achievement reports that parents have lost their place of prominence as the primary influence in their teenagers' lives. In 1960, teenagers ranked their parents first, but today their peers enjoy the place of greatest influence. Their friends, television, and their music have all had increasingly influential impact. Is this because fewer parents are involved in evaluating their teens' leisure activities? and in exploring wholesome alternatives to destructive trends, our children need to experience our presence, our affection, and our help in their decision-making throughout their years of maturing. 
Now, I just like, normally I don't make much comment, but I do want to say a few things here before we end today. And that is the fact that we know that this is not necessarily an answer for everyone. That this, the reading of this book, A Mother's Heart, is not necessarily the answer for everyone. However, I do think that these are some very important uh, premises that we should consider and uh, evaluate for yourself, for your own situation. No one is saying that mothers, all mothers need to be um, at home. At least I'm not saying that. I know that that's not an area for me to enter. Although I was a stay-at-home mom, I am not uh, presupposing that, that uh, or subjecting anyone else to that, nor should you feel guilty. You and I and everyone have to make our own decisions and know what's best for our homes and um and our children. So with that, I'd just like to say uh, thank you for listening, and I do hope that this serves the purpose for which I hope, and that is for your reflections and consideration. Something has got to, to happen, though, because our society, no one can deny, I don't believe that anyone can deny that we are going further and further on a downward spiral. So, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have a lot to be grateful for. I know I do. And I thank the Lord Jesus Christ for dying for my sins, for giving me, uh, for dying for the world. And I know everyone listening is not going to uh, agree with that either, but it's okay. Uh, I just needed to say it because I love him and I thank him. And again, thank you for listening. Take care, everyone.